We've been talking about embracing exile, and when you're in exile, you feel like you're alone, and you feel like you're by yourself, and you feel like all is lost, and everything's never going to be the way that it used to be, or whatever, and we forget who we are, and we start thinking, well, I might as well just be like the world around me. And God calls us to be different. In the scripture this morning that we read, we saw that. And I'd like for you to stand this morning as we go to God's word. He has called us out to be different. He's called us out to be a separate people. And we have to remember that in order to maintain our identity and to maintain what God has called us to be and maintain the culture and even create new culture, we have to remember who we are. And we have to remember what God has called us to be. And so this morning we're going to be reading from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And I just, want to, I, would, uh, I just want you to listen to what the Word says this morning. Let's read this first and prepare our hearts for what the Word wants to say to us. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This begins on 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people. You know, you're not just anybody. You're not just anybody. You are a person that God has called out and you have said yes You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you were not, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of being wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. Father, today, Help us to realize who we are and that we are a separated people, that you have called us to be different. You have called us out of this world. We are aliens here. We don't belong here. We, do, we are different. And Father, help us to, to use that that you have given us to declare who you are to this world and to be a blessing into this world. And Father, we ask that you would just come today. We need you to speak into our hearts. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In exile, it's easy to forget who you are. In exile, it's easy to start feeling low and defeated. And at this time in history, when Peter is writing this uh, to the Jews, they've been scattered out all over everywhere. They're living here and living there. They no longer have the uh, centralness of the church, the temple. They can't go there. It's, it's, everything's all messed up. Their whole way of doing uh, religion has just been blown apart. And so they're out there trying to, uh, to be what God has called them to be in the place that God has called them to do it. And God equips us to be what he has called us to be. And he calls us to be a separate people. 
And uh, they are in, in un, uncharted waters. They're in this place that they've never been before. They're being ruled over by other people. And when that's happening, it's easy to think less of yourself and, and to forget who your identity is. In our country today, we, we kind of face this on a smaller scale. Uh, the church is demeaned all the time. Every time you're on, on the, on watch TV or, or on, uh, or, or listen to the news or something like that, the church is demeaned and, and is, is talked about like we're, we hate people and things like that. I was watching a show the other night and I was like, why are they even talking like this? This is ridiculous. And they made people that had any sort of religion as someone who, who had no love for people whatsoever. And, and so when, when you're kind, and we're kind of in this place and I don't want to think that we are persecuted by any means. I think, I think we receive a little bit of persecution, but folks, our brothers and sisters around the world, we have brothers and sisters in the Nazarene church who are not only persecuted, but are being martyred for the name of Jesus, who are losing their homes and literally their businesses and literally their lives for Jesus. And so I don't want to equate what we are facing here on a small scale to what the rest of the world is facing. But we do feel sometimes that we are in exile and it's easy to feel defeated by the culture we live in. It's easy to feel like I'm just weird. I'm just uh, different. And, and, and it's hard to go against the culture when the culture is so strong. And when you do try to push against it, you're, you're berated and you're, and you're told you're crazy and, and you try to raise your kids in, in one way and people go, why are you doing that for? You try to have a standard in your life and people go, that's weird. And you, and you have a different way of looking at things and, and people call you out and they, and they say you're weird. And sometimes it would just be easier just to jump in the flow and say, oh, I'll just be like the bunch I'm in. It would have been easier for the Jews to have just said, we'll just be like the Babylonians. They got a pretty good thing going on here. They look like they're happy. They look like things are going good for them. I'll just, I'll just be like them. And it would be easier, maybe, it looks like it would be easier just to jump in and be like everybody else. You go to work and you say, what'd you do this week? And I went to church. Why? Why'd you do that for? I went and had fun all weekend. Did you have fun at church? Well, no, my pastor's boring as he can be. Well, (laughs) I hope you don't say that, but maybe you do. But why do you do that for? Because that's what we do. That's who we are. That's what God's called us to. God, God called you. God called you. What did he call you on the phone? God talks to you. What'd he say? You cannot, I cannot tell you how many times people will have said that into my life. I remember when I got called to preach, I, I was working down at the, at the lumber yard down in Seymour. And uh, one of the guys found out that I wasn't going to be there much longer. And he goes, what, why, what are you doing? I said, well, I've been, I've been called to preach. Oh yeah, really? Who called you? I was like, God. And he's like, would he call you on the phone? I said, yes. Does he not call you? No. And I was like, you know, and you're like, you know, and you, and you talk like this and people look at you like, so you really talk to God? Well, yeah, I talk to God. Does he talk to you? Yeah. What's he say? Well, I don't know. I just know. I mean, I know what he's saying to me. I know what he's speaking into my heart. Is it audible most of the time? No, I've never heard God say, Brian. but I knew what he wanted me to do. 
I mean, I knew there was no way around it. And when he does speak, you just know. And he calls us out and speaks to us. Do you know how wonderful that is to be able to hear God's voice? Sometimes I don't want to hear what he has to say because usually he's like, hey, dude, that's what he says to me, dude, what are you, what are you doing? And it kind of hurts sometimes when he speaks, but when you give in and do what he wants you to do, it is the most wonderful place in the world to be. Even, it is such a peaceful place, even when the world around you can be turmoil. And it is here in this place where God has called us in this world that is so different than what God asks us to be that we are, we are there and God places us there. And in this scripture, it's this beautiful, this beautiful writing here. And he says, and he says, you're, you, he goes, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And he says, while you're here in this place, God has placed you here to cry out the praises of him who has, who has called you out of the darkness you were into light. So we're in this dark place, but the whole time we're here, we're supposed to be saying, there is something different. God's called us. God has a plan for us. And we're to be proclaiming that in the midst of, of the darkness. He says, you are a chosen people. And we're not to parade around, you know, hey, I'm the chosen one or whatever. No, that's not what he wants. But he says, you are called to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light. Now, when Peter writes this and talks about right, uh, light and darkness, the Jews all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, and Jesus speaks about it and the Old Testament speaks about it, dark and light are always used, dark and light. And they understand that language. And, and we need to understand and understand that, that we are called out of the darkness. We're called out to be separated. God always asks his people to be separate. The disciples were called out to be separate from everybody else. They were called out to follow. They were called out from everyone else. Don't forget that when God calls you, you're to be separate. And then he does something else. And there's always a pattern that God uses. And we're going to talk about that today. That's going to be the main thing we talk about. He first separates us. Then he fills us. And on the day of Pentecost, the, the disciples that he called out and called, got them to be separate. He got them separate. And then he filled them with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And after he filled them, they became a blessing to the world. Do you understand we have the church today? Because God called out the disciples. They allowed themselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they went and changed, literally changed the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. They were separated. They were filled. And then they became a blessing. Now, you may think that that's, a, that's an old story. But that's our story and it's not just a, a uh, story that is in the Old Testament. And it's not just, a, and it's not just a, something that we preach about today. It's not just the New Testament church. It is the story of God from the very beginning. 
I've been reading and studying in, in Genesis this week, and, and one of the books that I'm reading is, is, uh, really talks about this. And, and it talks about from the very beginning, this is how God works. He separates, he fills, he blesses. He separates, he fills, he blesses. And in the first verse of Genesis, if you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn there. The first few chapters of Genesis are some of my favorite reading. I think you can learn about... I think if you only had the first two or three verses, first two or three chapters of Genesis, I think you could follow God in a very strong way. I think we learn almost everything we need to know about God in these first few chapters of Genesis. And this is talking about, we're trying to figure out who we are and who God is. And in the story, in the very beginning, it starts out like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. And darkness was over the surface and of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I liked Avery's song. He talked about the deep, the dark, the waters. And in, and in chapter 1 of Genesis, it tells us this. And it says that the earth was, was uh, formless and empty. And it's described as water. And throughout the history of the world, especially during this time when, when Peter was writing to uh, the Jews there, and in, especially in the early world, water was something that they felt like we got no control over water. And they couldn't see the other side. If, you, if they got to a sea or an ocean, they couldn't see the other side of it. And people would go, we're going to go to the other side of it. And they'd get in their ship and they'd take off and they would never see them again. And they were like, we don't know what this is, this deep water. And when, when, the, when Moses is writing down and talking about this, he says that's what the whole earth was. This deep, dark, formless, empty, and it was like water. And it was water. And, and when they said that, they was like, we don't, we got no control over that. Now, I don't tell you, I love water. I love water. I like to fish in the water. I like to swim in the water. And I like to drive my boat in the water. When I was down at teen camp, I went tubing in the water. And it was hilarious. But I like to be in the water. But I'm going to tell you something I don't like is deep water. I will be on my boat and, and I've got a little graph and every now and then that graph will get off on a cliff edge or something and it'll be, you know, it just, you know, and it doesn't look that deep, but it'll show like, it'll be like a hundred feet deep. And I just always kind of step back a little bit and get a little bit, I just don't like deep water. My wife's not as afraid of it as I am. When we first started dating, we'd get out on the boat and, and, and her dad, it was her dad's boat, and we'd go driving around. The boat would stop and bloop, she'd get right off the edge and she'd just swim. I'd go bloop right off the edge and I'd hang on to the boat. She'd just go swimming off someplace. And I was like, you better get back here. This is deep water, you know. I just don't like deep water. And deep water, you just don't, I just, I just, I just don't like deep water. And in and, and the older days, the people would, you know, I talked about this before, they would set sail and they'd get off in deep water and nobody would come back. And I mean, even to this day, even to this day with all the scientific stuff we have, ships and planes still go off in the deep water and nobody ever knows where they go. It's kind of spooky. I flew to Australia and it's hours and hours and hours of deep water. And it is formless and chaotic. And you got no control over nothing out there. 
And that's what the world was. Before God comes and and has his way with it, it is this formless and empty. And these two words are always used together throughout the scriptures, and they're always used together, and it means form and it's formless and empty. And it's used to cause it's used to give this idea of chaos. And I had never noticed this before until this week. And I started looking and and reading. And I was reading about this. And I never noticed how God overcomes formless and empty. But it says how he overcomes it in the first six days of creation. And it depends on what what, uh, version of the Bible you have. But it all pretty much says the same. But there was one version where it was this way. In the first three days that God created, in the first day, in day one, Genesis 1-4, how do you overcome formless and empty? Well, the first thing that God does is he separates. I don't know if you've noticed this. I never noticed this before. But the first three days, the word that God uses to describe what he did was separate separate, separate. That's all he does for the first three days is separate. He separates the light from darkness. He separates the water from below with the water from above. And there's all kinds of ideas about this. I believe that there was a big sort of a, I think there was kind of an ice dome and it was water in form of ice, we had sky, and then we have this water. I think it was like a gigantic terrarium. And there's lots of people that agree with me who are way smarter than I am. And I think that's what happened. All right? So you've got this water, sky water, and he separates. And the next thing he does is he separates the water from the land. And all of a sudden, the land comes up, and the water doesn't get to go and doesn't get to do whatever it wants to do because it's separated. You ever read in the Bible where it says, where were you when I set the boundaries for the oceans? I tell the oceans where they go and they stop here. God says, okay, here's the boundaries and the chaos stops here. And he separates in the first three days of creation, every one, every one of them, the, the word used is not create or anything like that. It's separate. God separates. When God comes and speaks and works in somebody's life or works in anything, the first thing he does is separate. The next three days, the word that he uses is filled. First three days are separate. The next three days are filled. The, 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 the word used there, he fills, he fills uh, the earth with vegetation. He fills the sky with the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then he fills the earth with animals and living creatures. First three days are separation. The next three days are filled. The last day is blessed. Separation, filling, and blessed. And that's how God works. And if we're going to be God's people and going to be used by God, the first act that has to happen in us has to be separation. If you look in the Old Testament, the first thing that happened in Abraham's life was he separated himself from his family. God said, hey, look, you can't be like everybody else. You're going to have to go do something else, and I'm going to take you somewhere else. He separated him. He filled him, and they had children. And then he blessed the world through him. We are living with the blessing of what God did through Abraham. First thing he did, he separated, he filled them. If you go into the New Testament, 
The disciples were separated. They were called out to follow Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they blessed the whole world by the starting of the church and through the ministry of the church. And God calls us. And he calls us to be separate. To be separate from the world. To be separate from sin. And I never noticed this. But if you read in the story of Noah. It's kind of interesting. Because it says that that. And you have to understand that Noah, of course, they were so old back then. They lived to be so old. Noah knew people who knew Adam. There were some people that Noah was related to who could have remembered Adam. I mean, they were so old. All right? And so I know it was many, many years, but the stories would have still been real. And yet the world has just said, we don't, want, we don't want what God wants. We don't want what God wants. We want what we want to do. And it says that the whole world, that of all the world, there was only one man who found favor in God's eyes, and it was Noah. Out of all the world, everyone just hated God and was violent and wicked and all this stuff. And I, and I had never noticed this. But when the world rejected God, God said, all right, I just let it go back to the way it was. You ever notice that? And he lets go of the separation and the water comes and the world goes back to the way it was before he separated anything. I had never seen that before. And in our lives, the only thing that keeps us from this chaos and this deep, and the water just came all over everything, and the earth probably looked like it did before God had done everything. He goes, all right, you don't want the separation. You don't want what I can do. I'll just let you have it back to the way it was. And it was chaos and formlessness. And then God comes back. The wind blows. Everything dries out, and it separates again. And when it separates, it's new again. And when you are not separated from sin, when you allow sin into your life and you allow sin in your life, it's going to be chaotic and it's going to be formless. And that's what happens in our lives. If we do not separate ourselves from the world and we do not separate ourselves from sin, then chaos starts to come back in. If you've ever looked uh, sin is what causes chaos in our life. It's what causes our lives to be formless and empty. When a, when a life is turned over to sin, it has no purpose. It has no meaning. It's just chaos. And, and sometimes it's not even the sin. Uh, even in our own lives, we live with chaos because of the sin of others. We all live with, with some things in our lives that are, that are aggravating and chaotic because of the sin of others. What did I have to, I can't remember what I did the other day. And I was thinking, the only reason I have to do this is because there's people who do stupid things. I don't remember what it was. But it was, it was, I was paying for the sin of others. And we have chaos in our world because of that. But... When, without God, here's the deal, folks, without God, life is formless and meaningless and chaotic. My aunt, I don't remember how old she was. How old was she, Cindy? 84? She was old. She wasn't that old. Some of you are 84 and you're thinking, that's not very old. But anyway, 
she was older. <laughs> and this past week, she passed away, and we had her funeral yesterday. And in that funeral, we told stories and things about her life and things like that. And Cindy and I, a few nights ago, was talking about it, and we said, you know what? If, if you don't have God in your life, and she did, and she did. But you take God out of her life, you take God out of her life, and her life was 84 years of toil and work and growing gardens and milking cows and raising kids, and you take God out, and that's all there was. And it was just, you're like, well, that doesn't mean much. Without God, our lives are formless and meaningless, and there is nothing to, to show. And, and, and sure, she had, a, she had a beautiful house and a beautiful garden, but that would have been it if you took God out. You could drive by and go, well, that was a nice place. But without God, it's just, who cares? Without God, our lives are formless and meaningless. And God says, look, let me come in your life and separate you from the chaos. Let me make boundaries in your life that, 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 re, that removes chaos from your life. And God makes boundaries in our lives to remove chaos. In marriage, God, God says, okay, here's a boundary. Here's a place of separation. And if you will let this happen, this gives you a safe place. This gives you a safe place for the family. This, this separates you uh, uh, to, to be what God, I would have you to be. Uh, it, it provides a, a sexual boundary. Because of the boundary of marriage, we have this, this protection from all sorts of chaos and emptiness. Because of the boundaries of marriage. But we have to stay within God's boundaries in our lives to have this. And the problem is... We see what God's boundaries are and we see a world out there and we say, I think I just want to be like them. I don't want to separate myself from them. I don't want to be different from them. I don't want to be separate from the world and I don't want to be called out. But God calls us out of this world of chaos. And the bad thing is we leave it and then we, we get used to seeing it around us and we crawl back into it. The people that, that, uh, that, that uh, we see in our lives, uh, they, they will, God will come and, and do something miraculous in their lives and they'll be going along real good and then they see the world go by and, and those old things that looked so good to them and, they knew, and hurt them so much at the time and they look at it and they say, oh, I don't want to do that again. But then somehow or another we watch them and they'll crawl back to that. And they just crawl back into this chaos. And I want to tell you folks this morning, we have got to be separate from the world. Does that mean that we, oh, we're better than everybody else? No. But that means that we just live different. We live in the world. We're neck deep in it, folks. And God calls us to be neck deep in it doing what? Praising God, 
Say, man, I'm so glad I'm following God. God is helping me so much. God is helping me. And I'm going to be fine. I'm neck deep in the world, but I'm going to be fine. And God is with me. And I am God's chosen person. And he has separated me. And he has filled me. And he has blessed me. And I want to be a blessing to everybody around me. And we just keep praising that. But sometimes that gets hard, doesn't it? And, and, the, and the temptation is to just... I'll just crawl back in it. But God has called us to be a separate person, to be a separate people. And moms and dads, I want to tell you this morning, God has called the family and called his people to be separate and has called us not to look like the world. I want to ask you this morning, are you living separate? Here's the deal. Nobody wants to hear this message. I get it. I understand. I get it. It's just easier to look like the world. It's just, e- it's just easier to fit in. It's just, we don't have to, an- if you just live like the world, you don't have to answer any questions. Why are you doing that? You know, this is what, this is what God's called me to do. Why do you go to church on Sunday? Well, you know, that's, that's what God has called us to do. Why do you give away 10% of your income. That is insane. Well, you know, that's what... You know, if you just go along with the world, you never have to answer any questions. Just jump in and go. It's just easier. And, and you, just, you can just do what everybody else does and you never have to say, well, hey, we just, we just don't do that. We just don't do that. Things are just different with us. It's not that we're better or anything like that. It's just we do things different. I had times when we, had, when we were with the kids and we just had to say, hey, look, we're just, we're just not going to take part. And it would, you know what would be nice if the world would just say, okay, but they don't. Why don't you take part? You're weird. There, there were times when, when we, with the kids, we just said, okay, we're just not going to do that. God's called us to be different. And I would have loved it if the world would have just said, okay. But they always just, well, why? Well, why? You're weird. Why do you say that? Because <laughs> we were. We were weird. We're the weirdos. And that's okay. Embrace it. This is where we need to embrace what God has called. Embrace it and say, we are weird. That's okay. We're a Christian. God has changed us. And I just want to ask you this morning, are you living separate? God calls us to be separate. There should be a vast difference in your family's life and the family that lives next door if they're not following the Lord. And when he separates us, he fills us to be a blessing to the world. And here's the problem is... We cannot be filled to be a blessing until we completely separate. And we want to be filled and we want to be used, but we don't want to separate. We want to look like everybody else. We want to do everything that everybody else does. And we want God to use us. And God says, I can't because you will not separate yourself. And it is only at that point where we finally say, all right, 
I'm going to do what God has called me to do. My family is going to look like what God wants it to look like. And I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to do it. And when we do that, and when we finally say, I'm going to do this, when we separate is when God can fill us. Matthew was a tax collector and Jesus said, you got to leave that. You got to leave that life. You got to leave. You got he literally had to leave his business. That's just what God called him to. And if Matthew would have said, look, here's the deal. I'll, I'll just come follow you around a little while. I'll do this on the side. It won't I'll have time to do everything else. You know what Jesus would have said? I'm sorry, you can't, you can't do that. Peter, you're going to have to leave your fishing boat. You're going to have to leave your whole fishing business. Leave your dad. Your dad's going to be mad at you. Leave your dad. You're going to have to separate yourself because you cannot do what I want you to do and do this. And that is not what God calls everybody to, but that's what God called him to. And he said, you, he will ask you to separate yourself from something. But he said, leave your job and, and do what I want you to do. And if Peter would have said, look, here's the deal. God, I'm just going to fish on weekends. I'll fish on weekends. And then I'll, and I'll be with you during the week some or whatever. We'll, I'll, I'll fish part-time. God goes, no. I'm calling you to be separate. Folks, God calls us to be separate. And it is only when we fully separate ourselves and say, I'm just going to do what you want. It's only then that we can ever be filled And then when we're filled, then we can be a blessing to everybody. And the truth of the matter is, if we just kind of stay in there in that wishy-washy, we're not good to anybody. We can't be a blessing to the world because we can never get filled because we won't ever separate. And we just kind of, and the truth is, we don't do any good to anybody. We're no good to the world. We're no good to the church. We're no good to anybody until we separate until we separate and say, I'm just going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to separate myself from sin. I'm going to separate myself from the things of the world. I'm going to separate my family and do what God would have us to do. And we're going to search out and figure out what that is. And it's only when we do that. And then God goes, great. Fill you up. Now you can do something. But we like staying and we never really separate. And we have to separate from the world and be filled by God. And to, God wants to fill our life with purpose and meaning. And to be filled means that we become a blessing to the world of exile that we live in. Not fighting the world. Not screaming at the world. He doesn't say anything about, he doesn't say anything about fight against the culture of the world, fight against this, fight against that. He goes, nope, just sit there and be a blessing to them. God doesn't call us to scream and shout against culture. God calls us to create culture and to be a blessing. He says, be such a blessing in the world that you live in that people say, I don't even like them, but they're really good. I cannot stand them. Boy, they're good. To where they can't argue with what you do. Be so... But we can't do that until we're filled. 
Allow God to fill us and create new culture in us. I'm just asking you this morning. I'm asking. I want you to be real honest. I want the Holy, allow the Holy Spirit to speak and ask you this question this morning. Are you separate? Are you separate from the sin in your life that causes chaos? And if I, if I ask you this morning, what is the sin in your life that causes chaos? You would know what it is right now. You've got to separate from that. You've got to ask God to separate you from that. And once you get separated from that, then God can fill you. And then God can be a, a blessing to you. I want Lance to come. I want the whole praise team to come and sing with Lance this morning. We're going to sing the last song that we sang this morning as I was sitting there I was like this is a song we need to sing and then I was like no that's not really an altar call verse and God said I said it is so that's what we're going to do this morning it it didn't seem like it fit but the Lord really spoke to me so I'm going to do that I just want to are you separated from the world moms and dads Is your family really, come on now, let's be dead honest. Are you separate from the world or does your family look like everybody else? Are you chasing the things that the world chases? Are you chasing the things that the world says important? Or are you chasing the things that God says are important? The idea of this morning that you could once and for all separate yourself to God and that God could fill you and have complete control of your life, I just nearly get giddy thinking about what God could do this morning. I want you to stand. When I say these things... Holy Spirit speak. I know God is speaking to some folks this morning, some moms and dads. His kingdom desperately needs people to say, I'm just going to be separate so God can just fill you. Some of you this morning say, I never have felt God's filling in my life. Have you ever just separated yourself and said, okay, God, whatever you want? Because, see, that's what he's asking this morning. We, the church body, needs that. Because he says when that happens, then we are a blessing to the world around us. We need that this morning. This morning, could you just once and for all separate yourself and give your life wholly to the Lord? Will you do that this morning? If God's speaking to you, I want you to come while we sing we're going to sing a little bit and just just if the lord's speaking to you you know it and i want you to come as we sing